Welcome to Passionate World Talk Radio Network. Educate, enlighten, entertain. And this morning, we have a certified autoimmune coach and a functional nutritionist who is going to be talking about, yes, you probably guessed it, food, but just not food, certainly not the stuff you just buy at the grocery store or at the pharmacy or even in the farmer's market. So let me introduce to you Risa Grow. And as I said, she's been doing this for a long time. So good morning, Risa. How are you today? Good morning. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing pretty good considering it's trying to rain. We're trying to get rid of our 43 inches of snow. Mm. So I'm in pretty good shape. Okay, good. I mean, we're still in lockdown. Uh, if people think we're not, we are still in lockdown here, which means that you stay mostly isolated in your individual apartment. Mm-hmm. Outside of that, you can look out the window and wave at the people who come in and go out. Visitors are not allowed. And if you think this is really easy, I live in a senior independent living apartment, and I'm the youngest one here at 70. Everybody else is 85 plus. I mean, we wow. have a lot of 100-year-old folks walking around. But moving wow, on very lot, challenging. It is very challenging. And I really think, though, that these elderly people are more equipped to handle it. What they're not equipped to handle is eating the right food, mm-hmm. the proportions of food, and what they need to do in order to keep themselves healthy. And this is a common problem throughout the globe, but here in the United States where instant gratification is not expected but demanded not only by the adults but by teens and children, unless mom and dad are alert, their eating habits are going to get stretched out of proportion. Mm-hmm. And as Risa can tell you, the biggest problem facing the Western nations is obesity. Mm-hmm. So Risa, give people a little bit of a background of why you do this and why specifically you targeted on becoming a functional nutritionist? So um, I absolutely love nutrition. It's just been a passion of mine since I can ever remember. It was just always interesting to me how food made us feel, how food changed our physicality, um, our emotional uh, and psychological relationship to food, how we're celebrated with it, punished with it, rewarded with it. Um, It's really so vast and very interesting to me. And I just remember growing up and in my home and my family, uh, every woman was always on a diet. You know, I just, I I didn't understand why are you on this diet? It it connotated all this deprivation and and, um, it was just fascinating to me. And I just, um, I ended up going to college and studying business and went into accounting and, and, and advertising, but um, always read nutrition books. So always, always, always interested in it. And when I had my children, I um, 
I just made all their food. I said, I, you know, everybody just bought baby food. That's what we did. And I said, I'm just going to make it. And, um, and I just kind of experimented with them and never gave them sugar, you know, not for a long time. And, um, and just really tried to develop their palate to natural food. So, um, fortunately that experiment went really well because they eat well and they're healthy, but, um, not to say that they never have sugar or anything that's, that, that's outside the box or what I call eating for sport because we all have to have some eating for sport. But um, I really just gravitated towards nutrition and, um, and I became a clinical nutritionist and I started my practice, but I started reading a lot more about functional medicine. And functional medicine is very different than conventional medicine in terms that functional medicine is always looking for the root cause instead of really sort of giving a pill for an ill and really handling the, the branches of the tree, they're really looking at the soil and the root because there is, you know, the trunk of the tree. There's always a root cause to why am I having these skin rashes instead of here's a cream or a pill, take this to, to quell that. Here, let's find out why this is happening. So um, I started going to all these functional uh, medicine and functional nutrition conferences and um, and really what that means is we just look at the foundational issues and do a lot of testing. We look at the science to it. And so when somebody walks into my office, I'm ordering a full panel of blood work to look at all 10 markers of the thyroid, all four markers of blood sugar dysregulation. I'm looking at inflammation markers, you know, how is the liver, the kidney, so on and so forth. And then I order a stool test. And the stool test is extremely comprehensive about 86 pathogens and find out about parasites, worms, but it tells you a ton of things that are going on in the intestines. You know, how many um, digestive enzymes are you producing? What is your immunity? Because 75 to 85% of our immune system is produced in our gut. So what, what is your uh, secretary IgA? What is your immunity in your gut? I always say, how many troops do you have? So, um, you know, it gives us a lot of pertinent information about the roots, you know, about the soil in, in, in where the tree is planted, and then at that point we can find out what is causing things. And it's, it's amazing. I absolutely love what I do because pretty much every single day I find a root cause of something that, that somebody, you know, hasn't known about, and it's fascinating. And it sounds fascinating. I mean, when you're a child, you really don't question what your parents are letting you have or not have to eat. Exactly. And... And not like it is these days where a mom or a dad finds themselves preparing five or six different meals for all their kids. My day, mm-hmm. what was ever set before you, you ate. If mm-hmm. you didn't, you slept at that table until you ate it. You were not, they didn't put mm-hmm. cheese on it to make it more palatable. They did not put sugar on it to make it more sweet. You just mm-hmm. had to eat what was served. And, of course, that right. was a carryover from the Great Depression and from the rationing of the last war. So mm-hmm. your parents really didn't have any patience during the 50s or 60s, where I come from, that Correct. you got, well, I'm not going to eat that. You ate it or you didn't, you went to bed, and that was it. Uh, there was no compromise in between. And mm-hmm. I know when I had my children, uh, I pretty much told them, I said, you're going to eat a no-thank-you portion. I said, I see you eat all this other garbage that I wouldn't put into my system for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. But there are certain guidelines, and one of them is you're going to have to learn how to eat vegetables without Mm -hmm. creaming, 
throwing attempts and tantrum, jumping up and down, or sleeping on the dining room table for a week. I said, right, when you exactly. go into other cultures, you're going to have to eat what they serve you. Mm-hmm. And some of them may look quite disgusting to you, but you know what? They probably went around to all the different villagers to get this food, and they're giving it to you as an offering. And right. you have to eat it. And you're not going to wash it down because what they give you to drink may not be to your liking either. I mean, my dad was an international troubleshooter, so we were brought up to eat and drink anything that was placed before us because we were told we would insult our hosts. Right, exactly. We learned. But today it's not like that, folks. So when your child leaves your nest at the age of, going into junior high, they're going to be exposed to all kinds of temptations. Mm-hmm. Especially if they're a teenage boy who needs to eat two or three dinners before he gets home to have dinner again. So mm-hmm. how do you, I guess control is the best way to put it, how do you make sure your teen doesn't give in to the temptations of food? So that's a great question. I love this question because it is a huge challenge today because as you just mentioned, you know, growing up, we didn't go out to dinner every night. There was no Postmates that, you know, if we wanted a drink from somewhere 10 miles away that we ordered it and it delivered to our door no matter what time of day or night it was. And that was not even an option. And uh, quite frankly, I think it was better that way. But there's too many options for kids, and there's not enough structure, in, in, I believe, in as far as food. Food is, is not really a lot of a conversation. At least that's what I experience when clients come into my office. It's just, you know, what do I feel like? What sounds good? What am I in the mood for? Not, oh, well, I had some good fat and protein for breakfast, so now I need some B vitamins and maybe some collagen. Or We don't have those conversations in our head about what we, we you know, food is actually nourishment. nourishment. It's not entertainment. And it's become very much entertainment. You know, this is what I feel like. So um, personally, I've made some rules in my house. My kids are out of the house now. My son is in college. But, you know, I will say you um, – you know, you have to have one meal at home. That was my rule, and you, uh, it was usually dinner, but, you know, there were practices that were running late, and they would grab a bite here or whatever, but they walked out the door with a shake every morning, and then that shake was, you know, good collagen for their gut and their bones, their joints, everything, their skin, um, and then, the, you know, I would, of course, pack in some good fats in there so it would satiate them and help brain development, and then... Um, I would usually stuff some greens in there or some omega-3s, you know, with some chia seeds or flax seeds or or something like that, uh, walnuts, something, so that at least I knew they had one meal in the day that was nutritious. But um, when my my daughter is already launched and great, and she eats amazingly perfect almost, you know, but um, uh, my son being in college, I when he comes home, I don't give him just a salad. I give him literally, I give him the serving bowl of a salad. And he, I put so much stuff in there, fennel and radishes, and he will eat all of it in addition to, um, you know, a vegetable and then an animal protein typically. Um, so he, so I, I think that, that as parents, we need to set the set the table here and say, these are the rules, you know, when my kids were growing up and, 
there were cookies abound, you know, every, every place, every park date we had, every ballet class was a lollipop. There's always a, a, a sugary treat or a cupcake for everything, every practice for every soccer game had donuts or something like that. I would say you, you pick it. You give that child the power and say you have one treat a day. You pick it. If you know you're going to the birthday party after the soccer practice, uh, you know, do you want the donut at the soccer practice or do you want the cake at the party? So it, it, give, it gave them the power so it wasn't a power struggle and they could choose one treat a day. And I would explain to them as best that they could understand at whatever age they were that sugar is not something that we need. You know, we don't give dogs or horses or cows sugar, right? We, we eat foods that we're supposed to eat. So it's for nourishment. So uh, they, they grew up understanding that and making the choices that they wanted to um, in regards to where, where, where are they going to spend their one treat. So yeah. I think it's important. And I- I think the next question, and I don't know how often people ask it, is I saw my son, who was a tall, thin man before he got married, and now he tells me he's considered obese, and I I can understand that. Why is this so difficult when you get married? Why do you put on the additional 10, 20 pounds so quickly? So I'm not sure it has anything to do with marriage unless your, you know, your your favorite hobby together is eating and, and not exercising. Yeah, no, I don't That's, think it has anything to do with marriage either, but you hear men, both men and women say, you know, since I got married, I put on 25 pounds. Right. Well, they and, could become complacent about their physique, and, um, you know, that could be one thing. And the other is that they, they're not active together and they focus a lot on eating. You know, I think with the pandemic being home and, you know, the, the baking craze and all that, um, you know, there's been a lot of weight gain for that. But uh, on the flip side, I've worked with so many people who have taken this opportunity to go for walks and eat really well and they've lost weight. So, um, you know, I think as we age, our metabolism tends to slow down or it doesn't have to, but, you know, our thyroid we just have to make sure that, that, that we're in good shape internally, that everything is functioning, and the choices that we make, you know, we be, we, or the choices we make are critical. So, um, you know, when talking about just going back to your point about the kids, you know, when I used to drop off my kids at school, I saw a plethora of children walking into school, whether it was elementary school or high school, with Starbucks. Um, frappuccinos with the whipped cream, yeah. which have a, an average of thir- uh, 65 grams of sugar in them. And, you know, we only, uh, the AMA requires no more than 25, or recommends, I should say, more than 25 uh, grams of sugar per day for women, 30, 35 for men. So, you know, what we're eating, perhaps when we're married, what they're cooking um, is probably different than what we used to. And I also think that we eat more than we ever have before. I know that just from my experience, I see kids, you know, having a snack on the way to dinner. You know, there's always a snack. And I say to the clients that I work with all the time, it's okay to be hungry. Like we, we, we freak out if we're hungry. So it's okay. We will not die if we're hungry for three, four hours at a time. We're going to be fine. But think about how many times you're actually hungry for your meal. How many times do you sit down to lunch and say, oh, I'm starving, or dinner? 
because we just tend to nibble. We have so much access to food now, where I think growing up in the 50s and 60s, we didn't really have a lot of access to food all the time. Uh, we no. weren't driving through or popping in or grabbing or there wasn't, you know, it wasn't, it, we just didn't think about food as much as we do now. Well, you remember the only time we saw an orange was at Christmas time. The only mm-hmm. time we had candy was at Halloween. Candy wasn't mm-hmm. around. And if it wasn't Correct. around, your parents weren't giving you anything. To You know, ice cream was dessert, and you had it maybe once a month or a couple of months. I mean, we didn't go out that much because it was expensive, and Mom knew how to cook, so why go out? I think and nobody word, went out. Nobody went out. I think the word, and there were blue laws. What are blue laws? Well, things were closed down on Sunday. You couldn't buy alcohol on Sunday. Mm-hmm. A lot, all mm-hmm. mostly, except for a few drugstores, everything was closed down tight. You just didn't mm-hmm. buy anything. Mm-hmm. Oh, you didn't exactly. have the instant gratification that exactly. we have now. So, as a nutritionist, what would you recommend to people, either for themselves as adults or what kind of guidelines should they be setting up for their kids? Because I can tell you this, if you start really young with your child about sweet stuff and candy, they'll stay away. My son wasn't raised with soda. Guess what? He doesn't drink it. He doesn't allow his kids exactly. to drink it. Exactly. Um, so, my, you know, what I say to everybody who walks into my office on that first day is I want you to imagine that your body is just like a sneaker factory, right? You've got all the equipment to make a sneaker. If I give you leather, rubber, or canvas, you're going to make a sneaker, right? We're going to get a, a, a sneaker at the end. It may sh- change in shape or size or color, but it's going to be a sneaker. And if I say to you, oh, I've got this great idea. Let's put some cell phone parts in your sneaker factory. What would happen? And I, I, I use this example because if we, you know, if we went to the Nike factory and said, let's put cell phone parts in your sneaker factory, they would probably, you know, call the police and say, take them to the, to the psychiatric ward. You know, it would break their equipment. There are millions of dollars worth of, of equipment that they have. Um, and, and because we, we'd need to put cell phone parts in cell phone factory equipment to make a cell phone. So I use that silly little example because, you know, whoever created us, whenever that was, all of a sudden there were these things crawling on the earth and sprouting from the ground that we could actually eat and sustain ourselves, survive and procreate our two main goals as living organisms. And, you know, what happened was years later the Industrial Revolution came and all of a sudden chemicals came into play. And now to date the United States is um, approved, the FDA has approved 82,000 chemicals for us to use and to breathe and to eat and, you know, over 3,000 of which we're able to eat. And um, regardless of who's in the White House, we get approved about 2,000 a year. So we are very toxic. We're putting a lot of toxins into our foods, into our bodies. So that's where we see it break down. And so what I always recommend to people is decrease your toxic load. Pay attention of what is going in your food. Make sure what you're eating is actually food. Read labels. You know, cut down on the sugar, which is in everything. Uh, The sugar is going to increase our blood sugars, which increases our inflammation. I mean, we've talked about this with COVID. I've been screaming from the mountaintops about this for decades, and now all of a sudden we say, oh, people are dying in their third stage inflammation. Well, yes, how do we get there? Well, we're eating foods that cause inflammation, bread, sugar, dairy, and alcohol are all inflammatory foods, 
and we're all living in a very inflamed state. I see it every day when I look at blood work. I don't care what you look like on the outside, people are inflamed. So, you know, disease loves to live in an inflamed state. So what I would suggest to people is watch your toxic load, decrease your chemicals in all everything, your food, um, your, your, your perfumes, your deodorants, your cleaning supplies, your, your uh, skin care, all that stuff. And then decrease your sugar and your inflammatory foods. Um, and then try and eat when you're hungry. I mean, I know this sounds so crazy and so logical, but we don't really eat just when we're hungry. We just nosh throughout the day. And um, three square meals, you're pretty good. And yes, you're going to be hungry for dinner, but it's okay. Um, it's good to do that. And, and eat real food. Real food is going to satiate you. This fake food, as you're referring to, things that look like food, they're sold as food, are, are not really filling you. You know, I say to people, if you, you know, I've never tried putting gas in my gas tank, and, and maybe it would register as full, but my guess is it probably wouldn't work. I wouldn't want to do that because I wouldn't want to take the, the, the chance, but that's what we're doing. We're putting shampoo in our gas tank. So, um, so I would recommend eating real food and, um, and moving our bodies and getting enough sleep. We work too much. Um, it's important to, to, to turn off electronically and laugh and, 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 and sit in silence if we need to and just, just breathe. So those are the things I think would have great impact for people um, as a health boost. Also, as a nutritionist, my grandfather, who was a doctor, used to tell us, he says, you don't need to go out and buy those vitamins. He says, to be eating properly, you're getting everything you need in your food, in your diet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you agree with that or do you disagree? Well, I, probably at the time that he said that, I would have agreed with him. But what the unfortunate statistic is, is that our soils are 40% depleted from the 1950s uh, due to the chemicals, due to the conventional farming. And so our soils, unfortunately, are not as rich in nutrients as they used to be. We used to be able to have vitamin D from our soils. That is not the case anymore. We're not outside as much anymore. So our vitamin D, I mean, I look at vitamin D all the time. I work with uh, several professional athletes that are outside all day, every day for a living and they, too, have depleted levels of vitamin D. So um, it is what we're eating. Um, we're, our, our food is not as impactful. It's, it's not as nourishing as it used to be. So unfortunately, we do have to supplement. Um, I supplement with vitamin D every single day. I take a vitamin B. Um, now during COVID, I take vitamin C as well and other nutrients. But because uh, unfortunately, even though I eat, all the foods that I need for my, um, for my minerals and my vitamins, we don't necessarily um, get as much as we should. And the other aspect of that is a lot of people, if they have digestive issues, if they have a leaky gut, um, if they have chronic diarrhea, they are not absorbing those nutrients. So absolutely, they're going to need to supplement with um, those nutrients. Okay, but do you feel that with the nutrients that are available out there that they're not taking the proper dosage of these vitamins? Sure. I mean, what, what drives me crazy with um, the commercials I see and things like that is that we are not all the same. So, um, you know, I, I do a very customized program. 
So my food frame, uh, for example, is a diet type for your actual physiology. I look at blood work and stool tests and um, health concerns, health conditions to say what kind of food you should be eating. Same thing with supplements. I wouldn't just toss the same regimen of supplements that I would to you as I would to your sister even because everybody has different DNA and everybody has different um, gut microbiome. So I would personalize it, customize it to you. If you, you know, some people don't need vitamin D. It's not very often, but um, some people don't. So in that case, I wouldn't give or I would give very um, mildly uh, some vitamin D. But, you know, people have gene mutations. We're seeing a lot of um, genetic testing now, and I think that is absolutely where the future of nutrition and medicine is going is to genetic uh, uh, testing and, and to find out what your particular genes are. There's a very common gene mutation for B vitamins called MTHFR, and a lot of people have it. I test for it in my office all the time. 90% of the population has it. And so they need a specific type of B vitamin, a methylcobalamin, that is easily absorbable to them. Otherwise, it's not being absorbed. So um, I can kind of go on and on with these examples, but suffice it to say that if, you know, if, if you're not taking what you absolutely need, um, you know, it, it, we're sort of wasting our time and money. So a lot of these supplements also, on the other hand, um, you know, when you buy, go at these big box stores, not that I have anything against them, but not for supplements, you know, most of uh, uh, some of the major brands out there that you see on every shelf have soybean oil, have um, canola oil, have dyes. You know, we, we love our supplements pretty for some reason. I don't know why. No other and country sweet. has. And sweets, of course, of course. And sucralose, which is, you know, a... a, a uh, it's a chemical, it's an artificial sweetener that can cause cancer and uh, inflammation and, and blood sugar dysregulations. And we, we, we have to make them sweet and pretty. I mean, I just don't understand that. But So I am, I am super concerned about what goes into my body and the bodies of the people that I work with. Um, you know, I use this as an example all the time. Sometimes if I go to Costco, I'll sit back and watch the people going up for free samples. Never, ever once have I ever seen anybody ask the person who's handing out the samples for the ingredients. They're just more concerned about getting a free food and how they're going to get a second sample rather than, you know, what's in it. So it's, we should be concerned about what's going in. How many chemicals, what kind of dyes, what kind of sugars, what kind of artificial sweeteners, what kind of cancer-causing properties are we putting in our body? I think we need to be a little bit more conscious of our eating. And I think, too, that... We, as a nation, and I think other Western industrial nations should also consider this, we're no longer an agricultural country. Mm -hmm. We were brought up with homesteaders and settlers and farmers who put 10 to 15 hours of hard work out on the land every day. Absolutely. And we set our bodies accordingly. That's what breakfast is all about. Think of the words. You're breaking a fast after mm -hmm. sleeping all night. Mm -hmm. And then you have lunch and then you have dinner or supper. And mm -hmm. we don't need to have cereal and toast or eggs and bacon and ham and grits and juice all at one meal for breakfast because we haven't gotten up at 5 o'clock in the morning mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. put in three hours of hard labor mm -hmm. and then coming in. And yet 
we stole models, our country, on an agrarian past. Now, yes, there's still farmers and ranchers out there who need that food for their body. I understand mm-hmm. that. But the majority mm-hmm. of people live in cities or in the suburbs. Mm-hmm. And you just don't need to eat that much. When I lived off the land, I gave my guy a huge breakfast. He didn't come mm-hmm. into lunch until maybe 1 or 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. And, and he, he was out snacking. all morning working hard. So when right. he came in, he was hungry. Sure. But we don't do sure. that anymore. But we still mm-hmm. fill up ourselves and our kids with that thought. Absolutely. We, we have this fear of being hungry. Yes. It's, it's kind of crazy, but yeah. I notice that a lot. So we will bring Risa back because we didn't even make a dent into her being a nutritionist. And I also want to bring her back and talk about autoimmunity, which is becoming Mm -hmm. a very big word in Mm -hmm. our medical culture. And a lot more kids around 18 or 19 are being diagnosed with autoimmunity diseases. Mm-hmm. And they'll say, I don't know where I got this. Well, your food does a good job, and your lifestyle mm-hmm. also mm-hmm. will introduce your system to it. So it's important to understand what it is and how you can, I'm not going to say fix it, because once you break something, you can't always repair it with Cruella glue. It just doesn't work that way. So, mm-hmm. Risa, please tell everybody where they can find you on the World Wide Web, your website, how they get in touch with you, should they want to come in and talk to you, mm-hmm. and they can, even if you live 2,000 miles away or mm-hmm. 3,000 if she's on California time and you're on New mm-hmm. York time, you can mm-hmm. always call her and get the information from her and do it that way. So, please yes. tell everybody where to find you. Yes, so it's Risa Grew Nutrition, R-I-S-A-G-R-O-U-X, nutrition.com. Um, that's my website where you'll find a, uh, the food frame uh, quiz to determine which eating plan is best for you. Um, in addition to a, um, a ton of information, lots and lots of articles, and um, lots and lots of recipes. Everything I have is gluten, dairy, and soy-free. Um, and clean. It's all real food and doesn't take too much time because who has too much time to uh, cook? And then my Instagram, my uh, my Pinterest, Twitter, Facebook, all that is all Risa Grew or RisaGrewNutrition.com. And um, I have a book coming out uh, very soon in a few months called Food Frame. Uh, diet is a four-letter word because I don't believe in diets. I believe in eating lifestyles to uh, fit what's best for you. And um, I do work with people all over the world, actually, through, uh, through Zoom and through phone. And my office is in Newport Beach, California. And I'm happy to see people in my office or um, phone or Zoom. And um, uh, my, all my information, my office number and everything is on my website. Again, at Risa, R-I-S-A, Grew, G-R-O-U-X, nutrition.com. And it's an interesting website. I've been over there looking at it. And you really need to 
spend some time reading it when there's nobody else in the room, maybe a little classical music just to set the mood. But mm-hmm. you really need to get over there and take a look, folks, because she does answer a lot of your questions. But more importantly, it will give you a foundation on which you can build. If you are pregnant and you want to know how to get your child set up the right way, this will do it for you. This will give you an honest opinion of what you need to do and what you not need to do. I will tell you this. I made all of my son's food. My son has never been sick a day in his life. Excellent. I love it. And you can say, Lillian, how did you do that? And I said, well, for one thing, I was the parent and he was the kid. And it's my job to raise him right so when he leaves home, if he wants to get himself into a bad position in health, that's his business. But I am responsible until he's 21. And then after that, it's his choice to do it as he wishes. And mm-hmm. he's just, you know, he's a graphic artist. He, he stays glued to his chair 24-7. So I know why he's having some health issues. But I do know he also eats healthy. And I know that he makes sure his kids eat healthy. He told me that if you punched his twins in the stomach, your fist would come away bruised. Wow. That's how tight those kids are. Well, one runs long distance and the other one is involved in a lot of sports. Mm-hmm. So, and even the seven-year-old who's always on the move, constant motion. But he encourages them to be in constant motion. And that's what a parent does, encourage your child, make suggestions. Mm -hmm. And for those who want to know, no, my son was terrible at sports. I put him in baseball one year, and he was put in the outfield, and he studied how ants bring dead things back into their nest. Or he dissected a bird on outer, outer field. So he wasn't what I call a real physical specimen of anything, but he did mm-hmm. fight. And those are the things you need to encourage to get your kids out there. Sure. So we're, you can we're listen. born to be active. You're born to be active. Take a look at the apes, the great apes. Take a look at the monkeys. I don't think they sit still for a second when the moms do, but the youngsters mm-hmm. don't. You mm-hmm. can listen to this interview all over again, and I suggest you can and do it on youtube.com forward slash PWR Network, LLC, underline PW Talk Radio. Also on twitter.com at PWTR Europe. You can also listen in on LinkedIn and on Facebook forward slash Passionate World Radio. You can also go over to the website, HTTPS colon forward slash forward slash passionateworldtalkradio.com. And if you need to contact us, please email pwrnetworkllc at gmail.com. And please leave any and all comments. And before you go away, Anne Stray Goff had this to say, in the early 19th century, character calls forth character. I want to thank everybody for joining us this morning. 
and hope that you join us again, especially when we bring back Risa, who will talk about hopefully what she does as an autoimmune coach. Thank you very much and have a great day. Thank you, Lillian.